Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. But today we are excited to be in part four of our series, It's Time. This, this series, the, the concept here with this series is simply that, here's the thing, we all hit certain points and seasons where we say, personally, it's time. I remember back uh, about, probably about five or six years back, uh, I was physically unhealthy. I looked like I was on drugs. I wasn't. But I just looked very unhealthy, and I knew, looking, looking personally at myself, it's time to get in shape. My, my great friend, Carrie Jones, um, I re- remember him telling me a story about how whenever he started dating his then-girlfriend, Julia, who is now his wife, he told me this this story about how he struggled with smoking cigarettes and how he struggled for 20 for 20 years he started stopped started stopped and then whenever he started dating her he literally at that moment said it's time to stop smoking cigarettes and he had an it's time moment and he stopped cold turkey and the concept with this series is is this I believe that we all have things personally that we have got to say it's time to see this change happen. The first week we talked on it's time to rest. The second week we talked on it's time to live. And the third week last week we talked on it's time to have vision. And today I want to talk to you about how it's time for you to be reminded. Does anybody here uh, or, or, or online struggle with being for? forgetful. I look at myself and I'm like, I can't imagine what I'm going to be like when I'm 50. If I see the way that I am now at 36, it's going to be scary, right? But honestly, think, think about it. We all have, I would probably say, m- m- most of us watching online, we have a proclivity and tendency to be forgetful, especially when it comes to God's promises and our faith. We tend to have, and, and get this term, spiritual amnesia, where, where we've got a tendency to forget the faithfulness and goodness of God, especially when we are in seasons where things are completely abnormal. It seems like there's uncertainty. It seems like there, there is this fear. We can feel frazzled. And here's the thing, in these seasons, it is easy for us to be forgetful. And that is why today I believe it's time for you to be re- reminded. And today I want to give you four, four specific things that I think you need to be reminded of. The truth is this here. We f- typically forget the things we should re- remember and we remember the things we should forget. Um, this word, remind, is in the Bible 63 times. Why? Because, because the truth is, it's not just, 
just the people here and now that have a proclivity to forget what God did in the past and the goodness and faithfulness of God in, in the past. It is, it is true of all of humanity for out all time. We have a proclivity to be forgetful. And you can see this in two specific points that I want to bring up quick. One in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament uh, ab- about when God reminded people about his goodness and faithfulness. Just think about God's people, the Israelites. How many times did they forget and have spiritual amnesia about God's goodness and faithfulness in the past? You, you, can, you can actually see in, uh, you know, throughout the first five books, God put so, put so many re- reminders to them in their daily schedule, in their celebrations, in their holidays, in, you know, to, to say, look, I need you to remember what I did for you in the past. Think about the Passover. The purpose of the Passover, the whole point of that is so, is so generations of Israelites and Jews would not forget the fact that God brought them out of Egyptian slavery. The whole point, God said this, I want you to celebrate this every year. Why? Because you will have a tendency to forget. So I want you to put in place in your daily schedule, in your daily calendar, this specific week where you say we're going to look back and be reminded of what God brought us through. God also put into place something called the Sabbath day. Why? Because he wanted to let people know you didn't create the world. And do you know what? I did, and I even took a day off. And what he was saying here is you need to be reminded on your Sabbath day, on, on that specific day that you take off, you didn't create the world, I did. You can rest because God even rested, right? He put into place practices of saying, don't forget that, hey, I fed you in the wilderness for 40 years from the sky, don't forget that, right? God put into place systems and rhythms so people would not forget in the Old Testament. N- New Testament, though. We can see uh, Peter in 2 Peter um, chapter 2, verse, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 12. Peter says this here. I w- so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. What, what's Peter saying here? He's saying this, you already know what I'm about to tell you, but I'm going to tell you these things again so you will be what? Re- reminded. You see Jesus consistently reminding his disciples of things he, all, he, he already told them, okay? Here's the point. You get it. We need to be reminded. What do we need to be reminded of today? Let me give you four things. First off, here's the thing, right? Especially with the current climate we're in. I'm not sure where you are currently at, whether you are in the process of possibly being laid off. You know, you're trying to find childcare. You're trying to homeschool your kids and you're about to lay hands on them in the name of Jesus. Like, here's, here's the thing, right? In these uncertain, chaotic times, I want to remind you today of four specific things. First off, God is not surprised. God is not surprised. You might be surprised, but God isn't. God is not sitting up, up there being like, I can't believe this. He's sovereign, right? But God is not sitting up there flabbergasted at what's going on. Psalm chapter, chapter 121, verse number four says, God neither sleeps nor slumbers. 
So he is not sitting up there like, oh my God, this whole time I've been trying to get Tom Brady off the Patriots, and now he's on the Bucks, and now I can't believe the fact that this has happened. By the way, I want to speak to you Patriot fans out there. Welcome to the new normal. You are not superpower team no more. Your kryptonite has come, and I want to say welcome to the depths of the NFL world. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so great to have you. Uh, but honestly, God is not surprised by this. And what does this simply tell us? God is sovereign. And because we're finite, we can't bring God to where down we are, or we can't bring God to where we are. He wants to bring us up to where he is. Here, here's the thing. I pray during this time you would be reminded of the sovereignty of God. I love what Charles Spurgeon, he said this. When you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. And my sincere prayer for you is during this time, you would rest your head, your spirit, mind, and soul on the pillow of the sovereignty of God. Because if you try to find rest and comfort in anything other than the sovereignty of God at this moment, at this time, you won't find the rest that your soul needs and that God promises you. So here's the thing, I want to invite you to rest in the sovereignty of God today. The truth is this here, sovereignty will give you security. The sovereignty of God will give you security. But honestly, think about it. As a Christ follower, what are your options? What other options do you have? Lorraine Botner says this here. Although the sovereignty of God is universal and absolute, it is not the sovereignty of blind power. It is coupled with the infinite wisdom, holiness, and love. And this doctrine, when properly understood, is a comforting and reassuring one who would not prefer to have his affairs in the hands of a God of infinite power wisdom holiness and love rather than to have them left to fate or chance or irrevocable natural law or to short-sighted and perverted people those who reject God's sovereignty should consider what alternatives they have left and I want to encourage you today your best option during, during this time is to rest in the sovereignty of God. Be reminded today, God is not surprised or shocked. He's, he, is, he is still on the throne. He's got a plan. And as the people of God especially, we need to say, God, we trust you. Secondly, we will get through this to, together with God and with each other. You've got to know this today, you are not alone. And I know you might feel it in this time of social distancing, in this time where it's just, you know, you can, you know, you, you can just be, you know, you are by yourself. I want to remind you Christ followers today. Jesus said this, John chapter 14, 16, he says, and this is a point Jesus, when he was in one of the loneliest times of, of his life, uh, speaking with his disciples and comforting them. He's, he's, he said this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter and he will never leave you. And what he was specifically talking on there is the Holy Spirit. He's saying, in you, I'm going to give you a comforter, a counselor. I'm going to give you God to dwell in you. This is the same spirit that we can see in 2 Timothy 1 says that God's spirit does not give you a spirit of fear, but he gives you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self discipline. This is the same spirit that we see Paul's, Paul saying, the same spirit that raised Christ from the, the 
dead is the same spirit that lives inside of us. The, the, the Holy Spirit isn't God's stepchild. It's not someone that is just kind of like, oh yeah, he's the Holy Spirit, but you know what? It's not Jesus, it's not God the Father. No, the Holy Spirit is God, and he gives the Holy Spirit to us as a gift and fills him with us. And I need you to be reminded today what you're filled with. The Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you, but here's the key thing. The Holy Spirit needs to be welcomed. Right? I believe, honestly, it's not that the Holy Spirit is not there. It's just that have we created a welcoming atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to be welcomed in and dwell with us and comfort us and challenge us and, 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 and convict us and literally be what Jesus promised it would be. That's why I sincerely challenge you right now. Watch what you are feeding yourself because what you feed will grow. What you feed will grow, church fam. If you're watching, like, what you feed, if you're going to feed your fear, fill your life with the news and Facebook, negativity. But if you're going to feed your faith, feed it with the word of God. You have got thousands of sermons you can actually check out, broadcast. Just know whatever content you are consuming, you're, you're feeding yourself with. You're feeding your spirit with, your mind with, your heart with. Don't waste this time, church fam. You're, you're going to have a little more extra time. You're going to have more time. And, and here's the thing, right? You're going to say things like, I'm just going to pass the time. There's no wasted second, fam. No, you are feeding something. And I want to encourage you and challenge you with feed your faith and feed your spirit with with God, with God's word. The Holy Spirit is there waiting to reveal to you more of who God is in this season and time. We're gonna get through this together. But the, but the thing is, is not only is God with us through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, but he's also with us through the presence of the church. Now you might say, John, how can we do this when we're not gathered together? We're practicing dis- distance, right? The wisest thing to do right now, the way that we can be a good loving neighbor is to practice social distancing. So we can get this whole thing down, get it under control, right? But at the same time, just because you're socially distant doesn't mean you need to be spiritually disconnected, right? And, and here's the thing, that's going to be the challenge around this time. And as a church, we are working really hard to be able to provide atmospheres and environments for you to be spiritually c- connected, though socially distant. One of, one, one of the big ways that we are doing that is, is we're doing online life groups. Right now, we've got 30 options for you. And you can actually click, uh, you know, if you're on a cell phone, I think it's in your top, your top left corner, you can click those, th- those three lines there and it'll have drop down options for you. You, 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 can, you can actually go on there and click on the tab groups and it will take you to what virtual online life groups that, we are, that we're, we're, we're going to be offering during this time. And we've got 30 of them. There is a group for you. I want to encourage you and challenge you and implore you and plead with you. Get in a group. Get into one of our 30 group offers. Join more than one, whatever. And here's the thing. Though we're socially distant, we don't have to be spiritually disconnected, right? But, uh, but, but the thing is this here. It, it's not just being spiritually connected through small groups. It, it's also saying, saying that we are, are going to be practically connected as well, right? Here's the thing. I, I, I've, I've got, I, I'll just be candid honest with you. I've got a lot of peace right now. Maybe it's just my personality. It, it, could, it could totally be that. 
But, but really, as I was exploring why I've got so much peace, I realized it was directly related to this one thing. God, yes, okay? But secondly, the, the people in my life. Why? Because here's the thing. I know I've got people in, in my life. Whatever they have, I've, I've got. If they've got a roll of toilet paper, I've got a roll of toilet paper. If they've got money, I've got money. If they've got sources, I've got sources. And it is directly related to the, to the fact of, I know I'm not in this by myself. I know I've got people with me. And here's the thing, church fam, we've got to have that same mindset with everybody in our community. Whether you are just a regular attender, whether you are involved through serving on a, on a dream team or involved in, in groups, whatever, we have to be in this thing together. And we've got to have the mentality of if you have it, or excuse me, if, if I have it, you have it. That, that's the way the early church functioned. You can see Acts 2. They sold, they, they sold whatever they had to make sure everyone had their needs met. And honestly, we sincerely say, we are going, look at my eyes. One might be going to say, I got lazy eye. But here's the thing, right? It's like, we are going to get through this together. We are. We are going to get through this thing together as we rely on the presence and power of the Holy Spirit within us and as the church family around us. If, if I've got it, you've got it. If we got it, you got it. Secondly, right, we're going to get through this together. Third, thirdly, I want to remind you, and I'm going to get into my final two favorite points. Friend, let me remind you the point of your existence on this planet as a Christian is for you to become like Jesus. You cannot lose that. You cannot lose the fact that as a Christ follower, the point of your life isn't to be comfortable, avoid all bad things, or be entitled to a certain, certain standard of, of living. When you started to follow Jesus, you entered into a process of investing all your time, energy, and resources towards becoming like Jesus. And because of that, here, here's the truth. No thing in your life, no situation, nothing in your life is wasted. Nothing. Nothing is pointless, right? I say this verse all the time, Romans 8, 28, right? It says, all things work to the good of those who love God and who have been called according to his purpose. All things. That, that word there, all, is the Greek word means all. Everyone all, always laughs at that. I say that every time. I say that. But anyway, anyway look, all, all things, and let me tell you why all things can work for the good. You might say, John, like, you know, you might say, yeah, but John, yeah, but John, yeah, but John, let me tell you about this. Hey, John, but John, all things can work to your good because all things can help make you more like Jesus. That's why we can say it can be good. Here's the thing, not that all things are good. There are, there are so many things going on right now that are not good, but at the same time, God is so good that God can take what isn't good and make it work for your good and for God's glory if you let him. If you get it out of your hand and put it into God's hand and say, God, if I keep this, I'm gonna become bitter, I'm gonna become angry, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna become selfish, I'm gonna become anxious, and God, I need to take this and give it to you and say, God, I need you to take this and take it and make it work for my good and and the good thing that God does with it, he takes it and makes it so you can be more like Jesus. You can't forget this. Here's the thing. If you don't interpret what happens in your 
life through this lens of you becoming more like Jesus, here's the thing. You will misinterpret everything that happens, and you'll start to blame God. You'll start to assassinate God's character, and you will think he is not good. So y'all, look, in this time, you gotta know God will take this and use this, no matter what you're walking through or going through, to take you and help you and make you become more like Jesus, because that is the point of your existence. And number, number four, the first one was what? I can't hear you now. I'm just kidding. The, the first one was God is not surprised. Secondly, we will get through this together, right? Third, what was the third? <laughs> the point of your life is to become more like Jesus. And fourthly, ready? You win. Look at me. As a Christ follower, you win. You win. Worship team, y- y'all can come up. Here's the thing. I'm not trying to just to give you some sort of like pep talk here from some sort of like coach, but, but here's the thing. I am telling you, as a Christian, we know the end of the story. We know the end of the story. We are not going into this thing saying, oh man, I wish we knew what was coming. No, as Christ followers, we say, we know the end of the story that God wins. God wins. And the thing is, is this hero. We are in one scene of the ultimate story. We are right now in this one scene in human history where we are in this one. Seeing here, here's the thing, right? We can't interpret the end of the story just through our one scene. We've got to get outside of just our scene and know, look, the ultimate point, the, the ultimate end is that God wins. And because God wins, we win and you win. Here's, here's the thing. We live from and for victory. And though it might seem like we are, you know, losing a battle here and there, ultimately we know God wins. So, Here's the thing, as Christians, we fight from a posture of victory. I love what Paul said. Check this out, verse, uh, Philippians 1, verse, verse 21, he said this. He said, for to me, living, or saying, for to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. What Paul is saying here is if I got breath in my lungs, if I've got breath inside of me, I am living for Christ, meaning I'm going to do everything I can to know God and make him known. It doesn't matter what I face, what I like, the point of my life is to know God and make him known. So if I've got breath in my lungs, I've got purpose, you've got purpose. But then he said, if I die, it's even better. Like, it's absolutely crazy. As a Christian, you cannot lose. We literally, in life, cannot lose. What if we had a generation of Christ followers that walked, talked, lived with the, with the mentality of we can't lose? Because the truth is, we can't. Here's the thing, I don't want you in this season living defeated because here's the thing, 
The world does not need Christians living or seeing or being defeated. It needs a generation that has people with our shoulders back, head held high saying, yeah, I know things are bleak. I know things are crazy. I know things like we've never been here before, but I know the end of the story. And though it might not feel like the victory is ours, we can live in light of the victory that we know we have in Jesus. The truth is this here. The coronavirus might affect your fill in the blank, your 401k, your job, your health, relationships, your sanity, but it, can, but it can't touch your soul. The coronavirus can impact a lot of things but it can't touch your soul that has been saved by the blood of Jesus and by his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And that's the way we've got to live, to live as Christ and to die is gain. If we're here, fam, if we are here, we're living, breathing, knowing God and making him known. And if something God forbid happens, if when we, I mean, that's the thing, we, we, we don't fear death because death is when we actually get our glorified body, when we can actually be one with God. So we live in light of victory, not just thanking God for it, but living in, in the fruit of that right now. Here, here's the thing, your problems that you are facing now is not the political system, it's not political leaders, it's not the coronavirus, it's not social distancing, it's not lack of childcare, it's not finances, potential loss, your, four, your 401k. Those are problems, but let me tell you who your true enemies are. It was Satan, sin, and death. Those were the three things that are ultimately your greatest enemies. And let me tell you who took on and defeated those three. Jesus. Jesus became sin for us and took on the effects of sin so you wouldn't have to. Jesus rose from death and beat death when you were dead in your sin. So death has been defeated. Satan, Jesus ultimately, at the end, he will defeat Satan. Here's the, here's the thing, your greatest enemies have already been defeated and you are, because Jesus was victorious, he gives you the right to live in victory right now. And that is why, fam, I need you to be reminded. You've got problems now, I got no doubt. And those problems are real and legitimate. But your problems are not enemies, they're problems. Your real enemies were Satan, sin, and death, and Jesus defeated those. If he defeated those and you have invited him into your life, the Holy Spirit's filled you, you can be victorious today. And that is why we sing, this is how I fight my battles. Like, like that what is surrounding us, God is surrounding that. That we can live in light of victory. Lifehouse fam, watching fam, on, on, online, whoever you are, four things I need you to be reminded of today in the craziness we're going through. God is not surprised. We will get through this together. The point of your life is to be like Jesus. And fourthly, you win. I believe if you take these and you remind yourself of these truths daily, we will get through this season and we won't just survive, we will thrive. It's time to be reminded. 
Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.